Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, what we're going to call this episode is a continuation of the prior episode Dave and I recorded. The title of the episode is something like Late Night Munchies. Uh, Dave's super clever. Uh, it's something like that. If you want to go back before you listen to this podcast and have a have a listen to that one, this is where Dave and I cover the universal changes that we saw in the Season 2 patch to abilities like Outflank Hardened. In this podcast, we're not going to reference specifically what those changes are. Uh, we're assuming that either you know or you're going to go back and have a listen to that. Um, that said, I am joined today with a very special guest that has been kind enough to stay up into the wee hours of the night with me. I'm joined with the current big fish in the U.S., the guy to beat, LVO champion, uh, Kurt. You want to say hi? Hello, everyone. So Kurt has joined me not only because he's got intimate Baratheon knowledge, proven winner, but also, um, I think Kurt has just a great knowledge about the meta in general. He's got a very active play group, so he and I are going to bounce some ideas off of each other in this podcast, try to give you guys a preview of what you might expect at Adepticon, and kind of give you some tips about what to watch out for and how to best prepare yourself. Maybe you make some list adjustments, maybe you don't. But uh, without further ado, we're going to get cracking into that. And what better faction to start with than the primary faction of Mr. Kurt, uh, the Baratheons. So, obviously, you won LVO in January. That was before the patch. So now we have a patch that, admittedly, it's justifiably made some Baratheon players not necessarily angry, but maybe a little bit sad, because they saw Queensmen and Champions of the Stag receive some adjustments that were not in the positive direction. And for a lot of them, they feel kind of lost on what to do with the list. Um, why don't you take it off for Baratheons with me? What do Baratheons look like in Season 2 for Kurt? So Baratheons received a couple changes, and in a couple ways they look different, and yet at the same time, in a couple ways they look the exact same. Um, good news if you're a fan of Elden running double champions of the stag, double glory seekers. I think that list is just as viable as ever. Um, as champions got a little tweak, a little nerf, I think the glory seeker itself got an improvement. Um, you'll be actually tankier than you were before with that iron resolve, giving you the same morale value, but minus one wound from failed panic. And you'll also have access to auto wounds from that stubborn tenacity. So if you're going to run Double Glory Seeker, Elden List, I think you can just keep doing what you were doing before. You just won't have access to that healing that Glory Seeker gave you in the past. You might look at flexing in Parman Crane if you still want that healing from that rally cry. As a whole, Brathians, I'd like to say, were about putting up a front that made it as difficult as possible for your opponent to charge into you. Um, and if they did so to hurt them as much as possible, Baratheons are slow and Baratheons were almost always out activated. So Baratheon players were never picking the time or place of the engagement. The only thing we could do was make that engagement as much in our favor as possible. Big change with this patch was Outflank, and while I'm not going to say that Outflank is going to become a staple you're going to see at every event going forwards, seeing as how this is the first big event we're seeing since the patch, I think it's probably a safe bet to say we're going to see some Outflank at Adepticon. What do you think, Brett? Yeah, I, I think all of the assessments are fair, and I think 
I think some of some of the frustration is is justified. I uh, I really try not to tell people how they should feel or anything like that. So that's that's definitely not what I want to do. Um, I think that the, the frustration, as I mentioned, is that Baratheons got some things toned down and and they didn't really get anything to compensate. And I think that that frustration is exacerbated by the fact that Lannisters saw a change in halberds and Baratheons did not see a change in Sentinels. Um, it's things like that. And it's understandable. Uh, we don't know what's going on in the mind of Simon, but with all of that said, it is what it is. We, we, we press forward as always. Um, so for the Baratheons, I think the, the, the frustrating bit is that they were already somewhat, uh, vulnerable to intimidating presence. Right. And that is now potentially worse because one of my wild hot take opinions is that with the change to relentless and with the change to Warcry, Ramsey's two-point attachment was already very attractive, in my opinion. It's always been very, very strong. I think in order to generate those panic tokens, you will see, in particular, Lannister players, maybe some Baratheons, maybe even Martells. You might see them lean into Ramsey's attachment over Flaidmen, for example. You know, if you take Royal Guard with Ramsey and replace your Flaidmen with Glory Seeker, I think you've probably traded up at this point at this point with what things are looking like. So that's could bode pretty badly for Baratheons um, because the champions of the stack would be then, if they don't have the Glory Seeker, they're testing on a 7, D3 plus 1. Fastest way to punch through their army armors with panic damage. It could end up being too much for them to withstand. Um, that said, as a suggestion, um, I have spoken with Zeuster. He's a relatively strong, very strong, not, not going to lie. Zeuster's a very strong uh, Baratheon player. Uh, he's from Poland. Very, very good. Um, he, not 100% sure how much success he's had with it per se, but on the Renly side, I believe he's leaning into Elden Estermont, just like normal in a unit of Wardens. But I think he's trying to exploit Battle Endurance on the Pikeman, which was probably already a relatively decent option. Uh, I think he's pushing his list to eight activations now with Olena. And it's just a very simple kind of math it in, plug it in list. You take like Wardens with Elden, double Pikemen, double Riders of Highgarden, Olena, and then you insert your other two NCUs of choice. It's, it's probably a relatively strong list. Is it Champions of the Stag kind of unbreakable level? No, but the Pikemen do have Coordinated Assault, which is a, a powerful ability. When you pair that with the re-rolls all the time from Battle Endurance and then the Sundering in round four. And then once you get into like the crit blows and if you can keep them alive to round six, you've got nine dice plus three hits when you charge, crit blow, re-rolls, Sundering, all the good stuff. Hypothetically, they, on a charge, they're going to hit harder than the champions of the stack did. So that could be something worth looking into. And the Riders of Highgarden do add a little bit of speed. Now, I'm not a Baratheon player by any means, but I can look at their profile and understand that if you run the Riders of Highgarden, I think the worst thing that you can do is just kind of run them out there and alpha charge just for the sake of alpha charging. I think you're going to lose that unit. Um, but you can finesse a little bit, right? If you push it to eight activations with two really speedy units, you can finesse and, and set some things up for you. Uh, on to the Stannis side. Um, again, this is assuming you don't play champions at stack. I think there, there could be a place for Axel's commander. I have always thought that Axel was really strong. He's bringing Stalwart, 
Uh, I think it justifies throwing him in Kingsman for a nice bit of aggression, as he does have intimidating presence himself. You're bumping those Kingsmen down to a morale four, uh, making to the last even stronger. And Axel's got some pretty aggressive cards, and he does have a trap card. Uh, it is Fiery Resolve, I believe, which can deal your opponent three wounds for you passing a panic test. It's, it's, it's quite strong paired with Melisandre. Uh, you can throw in some Lightbringers into that list, but those, those are just some suggestions. That said, Champions of Stag are still good, um, and when it comes to Outflank, the, the only problem that I see with it is you, you alpha charge the Outflank unit, and maybe because of the reduced grinding capability and the loss of the one attack dice, it might take you a little bit too long to chew through that unit, but it's, it's yet to be seen. Um, I think for Baratheons, the landscape just, as you said, it's either the same, just a little bit less good, or you're starting to explore some of the other options. I do like leaning into uh, speed elements for Renly side, like you mentioned. Uh, that's that's um, the way I was thinking, too. On, on Stannis' side, I agree Axel is the way to go if you want to build a panic list. Um, and then one commander, I think, that might be getting overlooked, but if you're running double ranged units, I think it's definitely worth... He's got some play. Justin Massey Commander. He has cards that give you healing. He has cards that give you free retreats. Um, look into that. Yeah, and 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 on that note, I think I think Loris, who was kind of a, a staple, he's he's certainly still not a bad choice. Of course, Expert Duel has changed. Is it important for him to go kill attachments without Relentless? And, you know, Warcry attachments like Champion of the Faith, surely they won't be seen as much. The Duelist is still a 5+. plus. You, you could go for it. If you're if you're charging into Ramsey, I think you certainly try to kill Ram uh, on the 5+. plus. But he does still do an auto-wound with Expert Duelist. But I think his cards have some play into the meta. Because what, what I'm kind of seeing in fr from, from what I've observed is a shift from, you know, more tanky units into those small, kind of skirmishy, hard-hitting units like Cutthroats, Ranger Hunters, Light Cavalry, things like this are, are kind of popping up. Uh, Overgrowth is still a very punishing card. Mm -hmm. um, and, and if you're looking at strictly a Night's Watch counter, that is a card that you can put on a unit and keep Ranger Hunters away. They, they just want no part of that card mixed with Final Strike. Now that John is much more aggressive, it's not unreasonable that he charges into pikes, takes four hits from overgrowth, and then does a whole bunch of damage to them because of that vulnerable token, and then takes a final strike. And at that point, you know, maybe he retreats out of there and he can't even risk taking the shot. And you might be able to mop him up with a unit of Riders of Hardguard. So just, just some things to think. I, I, th I think Loris was strong before. I think he might subtly be a little bit stronger because of the change in the landscape. Freefold creatures running around. I'm calling it kind of the zoo meta. You're seeing a ton of solos, and those uh, those types of things do not want to mess with Overgrowth. Mm, yeah, Overgrowth is an amazing card. Um, big trick there is getting it to attach, though. You have to pass that morale test. So throw down some happy yeah. trees. <laughs> throw down some happy trees, absolutely. Uh, so, you mentioned um, Intimidating Presence. Do you want to jump to Lannisters next? Yeah, sure. Let's talk about Lannisters, because I think... I think overall, Lannisters are probably the faction that, like, they, they're like the Hamburglar. They, they came into this patch and, like, walked away really, really shiny. I am genuinely afraid of Lannisters myself. Um, of course, I'm still a Lannister player. Um, won't be taking them to Adeptcon. Uh, 
probably not a surprise to anyone. But Lannisters are very scary. So yeah, let's talk about them. They they saw their halberds go to five points, which on the surface maybe a little bit of a subtle change. Um, but I think with a lack of relentless doing the pseudo activation, I think your biggest fears are the fact that Lannisters can now get to eight activations with Clegane brigands who are not a far cry of the damage potential that flayed men have. They don't have the sustain, but they're a hell of a lot faster and they are scary. Uh, and so at six points, you can, you can squeeze a unit of brigands in there pretty easily. And I've even seen some lists floating around that are eight activations with Tywin NCU. And that, that my friends is scary. So, um, what would you expect to see from the Lannisters? Do you think they'll lean into the, the newly buffed units? Um, or do you think it's going to be more of the same Kevin Double Crossbows, Knights Castle Rock, things like that? I think we'll, we'll, we'll surely still see like Kevin Double Crossbows. But I think um, just as the same as when Lightbringers saw their, drop, their points drop from 7 to 6, having Halberdiers drop their points from 6 to 5 also opens up some new list-building possibilities. Um, you were you were mentioning intimidating presence earlier. There's there's no reason why a Lannister player couldn't take that extra point and then stick an assault veteran into halberdiers. Now you have intimidating presence on halberdiers set for charge. That's that can be nasty. Um, something something I saw this past week was Tywin Commander in halberdiers. Um, Tywin Commander with his card. Exploit weakness. Exploit weakness. Is that what it was? Yep. Turns the weakened token into a panicked and a vulnerable and gives Tywin rerolls. That's right. Yep. So he could get rerolls on his set for charge hit. And I witnessed a Tywin halberdier unit take 12 wounds of bear riders off the board before the bear riders could even go through with their attack from charging his halberdier unit. So there there's some there are some new combos flying around that people may not be fully aware of yet. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And this this actually goes back to something I had mentioned prior to this patch and it was just just a general question, why don't we see more assault veterans in Lannisters, especially given the ranged assault that they can throw at you? Getting yeah. a unit tied up with intimidating presence and firing into it is a really good way of supplementing those those wounds from the crossbows. Uh, furthermore, I I haven't seen it in a lot of the lists. I've seen you know the NCU's like Peter Baelish, Pycelle, um are pretty well staples for Lannisters. Um, I would like to see or not like to see because I'm afraid of it. But I think a very a very strong choice for Lannisters is Cersei. And I think that Cersei has been great since Kevin became, you know, capable of making a ranged attack off of the crown. I ran Cersei in early 2021. I had mixed results with her. The problem with Cersei that I found was I would run like flayed men and things like this and and you had to justify dropping Cersei onto the crown at whatever tempo point it was in the round to get that hear me roar and throw the panic test at them. It could be a little bit harder to justify. Now that Kevin can make a free ranged attack off of the crown, you have every reason to drop Cersei onto the crown, pull the hear me roar out of your discard pile, make a ranged attack with Kevin. If you're shooting into intimidating presence by chance, you throw a hear me roar on top of it, it's minus a lot and D3 plus two wounds. 
gets pretty nasty. Uh, and you can, obviously, if you run Cersei with Joffrey NCU, it could be D3 plus 3. And she'll always own the crown. So you could do that combination off of the swords if Joffrey's taken another zone. It, it, I think it can get kind of ridiculous the amount of panic damage that they can get. Not not to say that it's OP, but it, it can be a lot. Um, now you now you bring in brigands who are a premier flanking unit. They bring vicious to the table, vicious in the flank. They add their extra wounds with the attack into an intimidating presence unit. Albert Ears with assault veteran, for example, is going to be a nasty flank charge that surely can can clean that unit up. So. I think Lannisters were already scary with the amount of panic that they could do, panic spikes. I think if you're throwing Intimidating and Cersei into the mix, you're seeing a ton of damage spike from from panic. It's just it's just too much for any army to overcome, really. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not a like a panic faction, like I would I would kill to get Intimidating Presence on a one point attachment. Are you kidding me? You know. <laughs> yeah, intimidating presence it, it has been proven to be one of the most powerful abilities in the game. Um, obviously, Roos brings it with spread fear. That's a dirty, dirty combination on Roos. Um, and as if that's not enough to make Roos appealing, he's got a really nice mixture of cards. He's got a heal card, which is always most welcome. Uh, he's got a control card, and it, it's relatively hard control. And then he's got a card that just gives you tokens. Because realistically speaking, the odds of you passing with your NCU because of Whispered Threats is slim to none. It just breaks the tempo up too much, gives too much of an advantage to your opponent. So you're likely to just... You, you can almost just assume that that card is either control or you're just getting two tokens. Most mm-hmm. often than not, you're just taking the two tokens and moving on with your life. And it sucks. Uh, but Getting those tokens um, from Whispered Threat helps make up for the loss in Warcry. And it does, absolutely does. And I think if you're if you're running a Roos commander, uh, there's no reason not to take Ramsey. As I already mentioned, he brings intimidating presence. He also brings fueled by slaughter. In my opinion, those two abilities could justifiably be two points on their own. Uh, and then you add into the mix Reek, who is God, what an attachment Reek is. So good. Um, just Do you need panic those, tokens? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> dishing out bubble panic tokens in a Lannister army allowing them to bring Pycelle for the weakened tokens. Uh, Roos can bring some vulnerable tokens. It, it gets pretty obscene. And you can always do the double double fueled, uh, double fueled by slaughter. Uh, Sandor is a point. Uh, don't know if he's kind of just been forgotten and left behind because the Champion of the Faith was so good. But Sandor, even outside of a Gregor list, is potent. Um, he mm-hmm. makes a vulnerable token when he charges. He also has fueled by slaughter. He is... Great in halberdiers. <laughs> I mean, you charge into him, he's got fueled by slaughter to, to bring himself back up. If you ignore them and don't deal with the set for charge, he gets a vulnerable token when he charges you. So it's pretty darn good. Um, I think Lannisters in particular, they've, they've got a pretty nice thing going because they've got two units in the five-point slot that have very defined rules. You bring Lannister Guardsmen as an anti-range attack, and you bring halberdiers as an anti-melee attack. So you might run into a little bit of a list chicken situation where one unit, one list has guard, one unit, one list has halberds. You want ranged attacks to deal with the halberdiers. If they pick their guardsmen list, your archers are pretty scared to shoot guardsmen. So um, could be interesting. Yeah, for sure. Uh, do you have anything else to add to Lannisters? I think. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I I think they'll, we'll see some of their original stuff. We'll see Kevin double crossbows. We'll see Roos. Um, yeah. Will do, you think we'll, do you think we'll still see Adam or your sons? Oh, I think the so. hardened change. Yeah, there's still one three five. If mm. if your if your strategy is to stay alive, which is certainly valid in a lot of missions, I, I think there's still a good choice. Um, I dislike it. I, I don't like the one three five situation, but nonetheless, it is there. It is a good counter to solos, and I suppose that's something that's necessary, right? Because the stock in solos has risen, so. They need to have something to hold them in check. The real question is, are we going to have a Joffrey sighting? Are we going to see Joffrey with no True. downside? Are they going to YOLO Joffrey into like crossbows and take advantage of the Orders of the Crown? Do we see some Joffrey cutthroats? Could be interesting. Just the Kingsguard, man. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, but the Kingsguard's a safe choice. I want I want someone to meme it with Joffrey in a in a standard Lannister unit. <laughs> Joffrey Guardsman, let's go. <laughs> hey, I've seen it. I've seen it in the North American Invitational. Jesse L. ran it, and he made it to it was either the finals or the semifinals. I was like, yeah. So he ran, like, double flayed men, mountain that rides, Joffrey and Guardsman, and, like, banked on You Will Obey Me on either Gregor or the flayed men doing some really nasty damage while Joffrey just sat in the corner like a spoiled brat in his unit of Guardsman. It was... Surprisingly effective, actually. Surprisingly effective. So, could be. I got to meet Jesse at uh, LVO. I, I hope he'll be there at Adepticon. Hmm. I bought a Stark army from Jesse. Jesse's a great guy. He gave me a really nice deal. Uh, sent me a nice little Merry Christmas message. Packaged everything up really neatly. Uh, yeah, he's a really great guy, and he he's been, he's always played Lannisters a little bit differently. He runs two NCU and. I don't think he ever feels bad about it. Uh, he leans into Joffrey's NCU, giving you control of the crown, and he's more of a five-two, six-two kind of Lannister guy. And I think, I think it might work out even better for him with some some good five-point options. Hey, if you can make it work, more power to you. I'm I'm actually genuinely afraid of Joffrey Joffrey Brigands. You will obey me on Brigands feels really, really, really nasty. Giving them uh, nine dice with sundering. Oh, ouch. Really fast. <laughs> Watch <laughs> out for it. You will find yourself getting one shot by that, actually. Um, okay, so let's move on to Starks. So depending on depending on how you viewed the Stark army, as far as what, what their strengths were, how they should be played, uh, there's, there's a point that maybe the Starks just kind of caught a lot of stray nerfs. If you leaned into hardened Mormont vets, if you leaned into she bears with Warcry, um, you're gonna feel like this was a pretty strong nerf to to the Starks. I approach Starks differently, and everyone's entitled to their opinion and their feelings. From where I'm standing, I I think that Starks got buffed from the way that I run, and and I say that because I ran nine activation Starks, and for me. They got buffed because nine activation outside of free folk is going to be so incredibly rare that it's giving Starks a very strong advantage. And I've always played Starks leaning into dire wolves. So that does not change for me. Now, of course, I ran Rickon in She Bears. I don't think that you necessarily have to have that. Um, you can do Sansa to cycle Devastating Impact, which is a basically a war cry on a stick. 
Um, you can run Howland Commander to take advantage of superior flanking, which is Warcry on a stick. Um, you can also just plug in Roderick NCU. Roderick NCU, if he claims the swords, drops a vulnerable token. Uh, he also resets orders, which is really nice for things like Kranich Trackers. Um, you know, depending on whatever you're using, resetting orders is always nice. Um, and then I, I run Reek and Ramsey in a Howland list. So I run it with Roderick. So I've got Reek and Ramsey throwing out panic tokens. I've got the option to reset hidden traps. I've got the option to reset scout orders for my bog devils, making the Kranigman deadly twice around. Or you can reset uh, the superior flanking from Howland. There's a lot of flexibility and a lot of options there with Roderick and CU. And so I think that's a that's an interesting point that you could see Roderick, which you didn't see him a lot before, but you can make a case for plugging Roderick into that list in place of another NCU to create your own war cry with Regan Ramsey. But if, if, again, if you were leaning into Hardened, you were leaning into She-Bears, uh, you're going to feel like they got a bit of a nerf. But I, I think Starks are a dark horse. I've mm. said it since the patch dropped, and I kind of looked at it, but that's because I was finding success with Starks in the old meta. And for me, my biggest headache was Sworn Brothers with the old Watch Captain. Because I don't really out-activate them by much. And at any point, if I sent a Dire Wolf into Sworn Brothers, that the wolf was screwed. Um, at whatever rank they're at with, with martial training, the wolf was going to die. Now, Night's Watch could run that combination, but it's now 9 points, and it does not provide an activation advantage. So they're probably stuck at 7. I feel like with Starks, I could outmaneuver them and leverage the Dire Wolves to kill other units, and I just don't really ever have to deal with Relentless. Um, so that said, what do you think about the landscape for Starks? Do you see She-Bears replaced with Stark Sworn Swords, which is what I did, and then you've got a flex point to mix some other stuff in the list? Yeah, so before the patch ever came down, I... Because you mentioned martial training with the Sworn Brothers. Before the patch ever came down, I was like, that's a really good ability. And Starks can get that with Sworn Sword Captain. Why don't Stark players use Stark Sworn Swords with Sworn Sword Captains more often? And the answer I got was that Sworn Swords could already get rerolls on their own, so the reroll portion of martial training could be a little lost on them. But uh, if, if Stark players still want to build around a six-point archetype, I keep coming back to that Sworn Sword Captain with Stark Sworn Swords. Because so you have that crit blow, they can get you the reroll to fish for those sixes before, you know, earlier on, before you're necessarily down to your last rank, and you get the vulnerable token. Um, and if you don't want to do that, Sworn Swords are look like a great five-point unit just on their own. Um, as a non-Stark player, that's that's kind of what jumps out at me. And then the other thing, um, even though that they may have caused some stray nerfs, you have to look at the patch as a whole and the landscape, the new landscape as it is. And with Flademan and Champions of the Stag both being toned down a little bit, I think uh, Tully Cavaliers are the undisputed number one heavy cavalry unit in the game now. Uh, and you can you can outflank those suckers with Starks using is it Robin CU? 
Uh, you could use Rob NCU, which is essentially the old version of Outflank requiring the maneuver zone. But if you want to go the route of new Outflank to take advantage of not having to you claim a zone. the Blackfish, right? You run the, yeah, the mounted Tully. Uh, I think he's Vanguard Infiltrator is the name of his attachment. It's two points, but he comes with Outflank and Mark Target, maybe? Seems right. Outflank, Mark Target. Mark Target's a good ability. Mark Target's good ability. Stock and mark, stock and mark, tar- mark target has risen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's <laughs> so. it's it's just one of those subtle things that comes from from the landscape change, right? And it's mm-hmm. it can kind of fly under the under uh, fly under the radar and be underappreciated. But um, and I, like I said, back back to Ramsey. Ramsey is is already great. He's infinitely better with with the change to Warcry. Mark target was already great, infinitely better with the change to Warcry. Um, there's no condition. And Warcry is only giving you one token with a condition. Uh, Mark Target's giving you a, con- a token with just needing line of sight. Uh, so it's it's really good. Um, and I think I think Great John Umber, your your point with with Sworn Swords, <clears throat> Great John Umber is a monster. Uh, I think in this meta, you can relatively comfortably get Great John Umber to nine activations. Um, at which point you've got ridiculous retribution and then you've got berserker tactics which opens up the door for if you want to run the tully cap with great john umber that's always been a scary combo but again you know he can get to eight with tully cap it's not really that hard to do you're not playing into a ton of nine activation anymore night's watch certainly isn't getting to nine um and i don't think Greyjoys will do nine as much anymore because of the change to victorian as well um, I don't think they're comfortable running nine activation by bow spam. So um, that is a great John Umber buff because now he can match your eight and hey, I've got Tully Cavaliers. Um, but I, I think that the just a great John strong infantry list could be really good. Um, Luke proved at nationals in 20, 2022 that um, great John Umber can work in a unit of cutthroats just Throw him out there, kill as much as you can on your way out, and then let the rest of the army mop it up. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm quite afraid of Great John Umber as well, and uh, yeah. I think he's a, I think he's a wise pick for Starks. But the the <clears throat> excuse me, the trapping of Great John Umber can be that you think that you have to run Great Axes, you have to run Berserkers. Regular Stark Sworn Swords with Last Stand are just as disgusting as anything else because they it, it allows you to roll full dice and you would get the bonus from the two destroyed ranks. So they would be getting hitting on three plus, reroll, critical blow, seven dice. As a on death attack. It's pretty darn good. Um it's not something that you want to eat to the face. Cool. We happy with starts? Uh yeah. Uh I don't think we really need to cover neutrals. I mean if anything, neutrals never had access to relentless. Neutrals never had access to Warcry. Mm-hmm. Um, the only quote-unquote subtle nerf to neutrals, which is weird to say, the Warcry change was actually a slight, slight, slight nerf to um, neutrals. And I say that because with adaptive methods, you could take their vulnerable token, turn it into a panic token, and then put it on them, or vice versa. So I guess that's not really a nerf. Because you would you would still just take the panic token and move it. Well, they lost their big dog with Flademen getting nerfed. So yeah, Flademen, Flademen, they lost, they lost one die 
but um, realistically speaking, they were more reliant on their panic damage exactly, anyway. So exactly, and you 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 lose some one shot potential. I don't see that as overly harmful to the game. I think the neutrals' main game was Roos and Ramsey. Um, it is what it is. I don't think that much changes with that. You run Ramsey with Flademen. They're still three plus six plus. You're doing your uh, cruel methods to heal them. Neutrals still have adaptive methods. They still have um, planning and insight to get those extra hits. I think the neutral deck is underrated and phenomenal. Um, so I think neutrals, I, I don't think much change for them. Uh, the Maybe with the flayed men change, you tech in some bastards girls instead of the double flayed men. Bastards girls are great. Um, you might see something like that. Uh, otherwise, I don't see much changing. Blaggard, cutthroats, flayed men, they're still infinitely deadly. I don't think. A lot changes. If anything, mm-hmm. the you know uh, Night's Watch and Greyjoy is going to mostly eight, seven, eight activations. It's probably a little bit of help for neutrals. Um, Starks are my big dark horse, but neutrals neutrals could be a little bit of a dark horse as well. They've got some they've got some game into this meta. I think it it could have could have helped them. Um, Martells they're probably not changing a whole lot. No, I don't think the Martell game plan changes. Again, similar to neutrals, similar to um, Baratheons, uh, they they never had Warcry. They never had Warcry, and they did fine with token mm-hmm. play. They never had Relentless. They did fine. Um, so for them, if anything, the change to the landscape, again, less activations. Um, the only thing that I will say as far as Martells go, um, again, as a Night's Watch player, I never was super afraid of Martells. Because I had plenty of shooting, and uh, you know, as far as Doom Tactics goes, I had plenty of ways to get bonus attack dice. Mm-hmm. So Doom Tactics didn't really bother me that much. Um, I think Night's Watch with John is probably actually even scarier for Martels because they rely on their kind of trickery and their subtly staying alive. With John giving a vulnerable token on the charge now. Uh, the Night's Watch player doesn't have to rely on being able to play Sword in the Darkness to put a vulnerable token on the Martell units. Um, I like John with a vulnerable charge to be able to wipe units like Dervishes in one hit. Um, I kind of hate it. The, the fact that we talk about one shot, it's a thing. Um, if anything, John now can one shot Martells even easier. Um, I think for a counter to John, if that's what your biggest fear is. I was talking with Zeuster about this as well. I, I think you might want to run over in Commander. And I say that because if you can get the Manticore Venom on John, that list with with Jon Snow, the quote-unquote meta Jon Snow list, totally relies on John. If you can get the poison on John to the point where he can never heal, I think you can chip him to death, and then the list kind of falls apart. Uh, if you're relying on Ranger Trackers, Ghost, and Vanguard to win you the game. They just don't have the explosive damage that John has. If you get rid of John, and that, that could even be with you know Rising Temps. If you play a defensive kind of game and throw Rising Temps on him later in the game, uh, making him hit on fours, no healing, I think you've got a chance to, to win the game. I don't think much has changed. They've just got to be, I think you've got to be a little bit more cautious and defensive against John. I don't think you go as aggressive as you used to go before with flayed men and battle endurance and things like that. But they, they certainly still have gain into it. But as far as Martels go, the only thing that changed for them, they, they leaned pretty heavily into flayed men. Except uh, for I, charge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, but I think you just straight swap 
uh, Starfall Knights for Flayed Men now. Yeah, you've got Cunning Ploy basic deck. You've got Spearmen to shift Starfall Knights, increasing their threat range. Uh, they've got better ambush because it puts the tokens every attack, not just when they charge. Um, and against a lot of things, ten dice on three plus. I mean, we know Lance Cap, right? They're just fast Lance Cap. They're fast Lance Cap, like Riders of High Garden with better defense, and they hit on threes instead of fours. Uh, it's a pretty scary prospect. Yeah, I think we'll still see Spear Lord and Sand Skirmishers for that eight dice scout opening ranged attack. Absolutely, I think it's their best unit. And I, that's, I felt that way even when played men were, you know, 7-4 with all their juicy stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the skirmishers are so good. It's such a good tech piece. Okay. Um, one, thing I will, Martels. <laughs> one thing I will shout out for Martels. Okay. Um, maybe it'll be to my detriment. But a very... It's interesting. I, I don't know that I've put a lot of thought into how you work it into the list per se. But I think she's been kind of overlooked, to be honest. Uh, Nymeria Attachment. So if you throw Nymeria Attachment into a unit and you have Oberon NCU, it's similar to the way the old Shield Wall and Hardened was four blocked hits at any rank. Oberon plus Nymeria is potentially seven wounds no matter what rank. So uh, if you own the swords. So Nymeria, every time you attack her with melee, she deals you two wounds if they own the swords. She deals an additional wound per destroyed rank. Oberon does two hits plus one hit for each destroyed rank. So if you're at full ranks, you'll take five hits, two wounds. At the second rank, you will take three wounds, four hits. Last rank, you would take four wounds, three hits. <laughs> it's it's interesting. And then she's also got the, I think she makes you vulnerable and rerolls. Gives you rerolls. Rerolls if they have, if but you have vulnerable. Activated. So it's half of the cutthroat ability. Still not terrible. So you could, in theory, you could have her on maybe like the Dune Vipers or something. Is what I yeah, her on something, and then Oberon and you, and then also that Tactics card. Is it Vengeance? Is it which card is that? Where they suffer ones when they yes, that's Arrhenius Vengeance. Yep. yep, they roll ones, they get a wound. Yep. So you could, <laughs> yeah, that could be a very that that could be like. Oof, worse than like growing strong or overgrowth, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Over and over and NCU is disgusting, and to the point of Martell's, I think I think the biggest fear playing into Martell's is Dorn NCU. So, as a point of contention concerning Dorn NCU, we know that he's easily countered by Peter Baelish. That hasn't changed with Peter going to three tokens. That's just what you need to stop Dorn from scoring. But if I was a Martell player. Especially given at an in-person event, there's a time limit. A lot of times the game ends at round five, sometimes round four. It's rare for the game to finish unless you've got two really experienced players. There's no reason to check and see what the unit does. Things like that to slow the game down, you can finish the game. You and I, we would finish, no problem. Other players that don't have everything memorized, you know, it's like, well, I need to reference my card to see how many dice I roll, what's this ability to do, things like that. Um, if Doran doesn't go to round five, round six, you you wasted four points, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And and besides that, I think the best NCU lineups for Martels, situationally, depending on what you're running, would be Peter Baelish, Elaria, Oberon. Yeah. Or if you're running a, a super aggressive Roos kind of list, Peter Baelish, Doran, Peter Baelish, Elaria, Nymeria, NCU. Because she can give Roos 
the vicious that he so badly wants if he's in like the royal guard or something and that really starts to go off with a lot of the martel cards so as as a as a guy who dipped his toes in martels for a while played a lot of games with them i would really suggest if you're if your mind is set on doran ncu i would reconsider that i would reconsider that for the reasons that i mentioned he's countered by baelish he can be used against you in that situation and also the you might not running make, out you might not make it to round six you just you might not it's not uncommon and it's it's not people cheating you and slow playing you it's just factually the way it can work out i would i would consider uh reworking your ncus to be honest cool there yeah all right let's let's talk about targaryens let's talk, let's about, talk the, about targs let's talk about targs and the drakes so the big change for targaryens uh besides losing the nested activation from relentless is dragons to seven points uh, you still have to run Danny to unlock them. And there's a lot of interesting combinations that you can do with dragons. Um, I have seen Pyat Pre, Walder Frey, and Danny the Unburnt just 100% leaning into that dragon. Mm-hmm. 100% leaning into him. Potentially three attacks. He charges in. Danny gives him another attack. Uh, Walder Frey is likely guaranteed his own, unless they're running four NCUs, which I don't think you'll see. And so Walter Frey goes down, they attack again. Could be gross. Is it a meme? It's definitely, you can play around it to an extent. <clears throat> uh, the other thing with uh, Targaryens, they saw, I think they saw a pretty good heroes box, actually. Uh, yeah. Marcelin is a great commander. I think the mm-hmm. Shave Pate is underrated as a commander and as an attachment. He is bringing Fueled by Slaughter to the, to the table as well, and he's bringing it with Vicious. Um, as a commander, he's got some pretty interesting control elements, actually. Um, Marcelin, obviously, we know from Endless Horde bringing on free units is cancerously strong. Um, you might see Marcelin <clears throat> running Freedmen, uh, beefing up uh, Unsullied, and then being supported by Dragons, because you've got the Freedmen as essentially a pass token. That's that's a thing that you would see. I think you, you'll probably see Mother of Dragons. Simply because I think, above all, I, I give a lot of of leeway and credit to Targaryen. There's a lot of Targaryen players that strictly played this faction and got into the game for the dragons. So I think the chance to see Mother of Dragons, you know, basically buffed multiple ways, you you're likely to see Mother of Dragons on the table again. She no longer has to take all three dragons. I think there's a really good list that runs Mother of Dragons with two dragons. And you get some support from like outriders or something like that to soften targets up before the dragons fly in. Uh, could be pretty scary. Uh, Drogo, expert duels changed to the five plus, same as Loras. Uh, you know, there's there's fewer must kill attachments. Drogo just comes in, does the auto wound. Uh, Blood Riders now can't be weakened. It's something that a lot of targ players wanted to see. They got their wish. Um, Blood Riders are an absolute tank of a unit. Five plus morale, iron resolve. Uh, Warcry isn't what it used to be, but it's not bad at all. Um, Drogo with dragons, they've got assault orders in the basic deck, could be really good. Now, the dragon cannot use ride by attack, which I think is an underratedly good card. Um, but regardless, you're playing it for the assault orders, I think. Um, what do you think about Tarps? What, what would you, what would you say? Oh, Harakars! Outflank. I already <laughs> thought Harak. I already thought Harakars were great, and I never yeah. once outflanked them. That is, could be 
I don't know. What do you think? Maybe Hurakars might be the most underrated unit in the game. Yeah, I think Hurakars have have play. Um, just from playing Craig, you know. <laughs> yeah, and and Craig and I have been high on Hurakars since since twenty twenty one. I think I think they were released in one point seven at six points, and then when they dropped to five with twenty twenty one, I was like, this is a unit. Four plus four plus is not a not a not defensive profile. That is elite defense. I know they only have six wounds, but four plus four plus is tough to shift. Mm-hmm. And they're never diminishing attack profile. Six dice hitting on three plus with vicious. You can pair that into some pretty nice things. And since they can outflank now with the with the buffed outflank not needing to take the zone. <sighs> you don't want Harakars behind you. I mean, I'm just saying, you don't want them behind you. That yeah, is, you'll be looking over your shoulder the whole time. <laughs> that is a truck of a unit. And they're, I mean, they're six with a cavalry maneuver. I mean, they are not slow. They hit hard. They're not a super, like, easy-to-kill unit. I think I think Harakars, you should see them. You should see them. I know in the past, as a Baratheon player, I've gotten, I've heard from Targaryen players frustration over their ability to deal with armor. Dragons going dropping a point. I feel like that is the go-to anti-armor option for Targaryens right now. It is. And um, ironic and the dragons really support Harakars. No matter mm-hmm. no matter which dragon you play, um they the Harakars could use the vulnerable token. The Harakars could use the panic token. And in terms of survival, I think Rhaegal is I think best. he's the best one. I think he's the best dragon. I think mm-hmm. Rhaegal's the best dragon. Followed by Drogon. And then depending on what you're running in the list, Viserion has play. So if you imagine a flank charge from Harakars with fire and blood for sundering, that vulnerable token's gonna be huge. Yeah. Whoops. You recently um wrote an article on targeting, so that could hopefully help clear up things for people running Barristan and CU. Yeah, absolutely. I hope so. And and uh the big takeaway from that is you know, take take the knowledge that you already had with tactics cards, apply it to orders. That's that's basically the big takeaway there. There's there's some niche kind of situations. Donald Noy and Eddard Stark are the same. They're they're interesting and, and I believe they were worded that way intentionally. Uh Eddard and Donald Noy uh actually target no one, just to quickly reference the article. Their ability is always on. If you read it, uh Eddard is always on every time a friendly unit takes a panic test. Therefore, by the time you remove an order token to resolve Eddard's ability, you don't have a choice for a target anymore. It's the unit that's taking the panic test. But uh, because the trigger is not an order or a tactics card, it's just always there. And Donald noise the same way. Every time a friendly unit makes an attack. Or uh, Donald is every time any unit makes an attack. You remove a token. So again, there's no choice for a target. Interesting. Now, one thing I think everyone is sleeping on, and I'm looking right at it, is Quaith NCU. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she gets two tokens. On the start of an enemy turn, you can burn a token and target an enemy unit. If that unit performs an action before that action is resolved, one of your friendly units can maneuver, march, or retreat. And that just seems brilliant to get something into a flank, to get something behind someone, or to get a unit out of a sticky situation. Absolutely. So I ran, like, my last tournament that I was in before the Season 2 patch hit, I I ran Targaryens. It was an ELO event, so I was 
being basically rewarded for playing Targaryens because they were rated low. I went with Quaithe in both lists. I think Quaithe is brilliant. Um, even if she doesn't give you the free retreat or what uh, free retreat march or maneuver, her strength is similar to what I believe predictable maneuvers was meant to be. Mm -hmm. um, predict predictable maneuvers is a little bit abused because basically it's it's used to trap you where you don't have a choice. Now Targaryens can do that as well. If if their last activation is a unit that's engaged, they don't have a choice but to make an action. So Quaithe automatically fires off. Uh, same as predictable maneuvers. But I think the strength for Targaryens, given their glass cannon style with Quaith, is what I was doing was charging like a unit of cutthroats in at the end of the round, even if my opponent went first. So whatever unit they had to countercharge my cutthroats, like catch them in the flank, I would target them. If this unit forms an action, my cutthroats are going to retreat. Uh, if they didn't have something set up to flank and it was just, you know, the fear of them taking the swords and punching my cutthroats, I'd take Quaith. I'm going to use Quaith. If you, if the unit I'm engaged with performs an attack, I'm going to retreat, and you're not attacking. <laughs> That's factually how that works. Uh, we won't get into the Quaith suplex. That's a whole other thing. It's debatable. <laughs> There's no debate. If you select, if I pick you for Quaith, and you select to make a melee attack, I will retreat. You no longer have a target to attack. You can't change it into a charge. You just lose the action. Now my cutthroats retreated. Your unit's not activated, and I'm punching you right in the face. <laughs> so, <laughs> Quaith is good. Quaith is good, uh, particularly with dragons. Um, I think it's really scary because if they set up that end of round charge, you go first in the next round, your inclination is to take the swords and do some damage to the dragon. Uh, it's going to retreat. You're not going to attack it. Uh, if you take the money bags, dragon takes the bat, dragon takes swords. It's a pretty bad situation. I think Quaith is good. I think she's phenomenal NCU design piggybacking off of a card design. I think they did a nice job showing the restraint not to give them a free attack option because I think that they you know, reliably predicted that it would be used with dragons to give them a free attack. Mm -hmm. So, good on them. Good on them. Alright. Um, who do we have left? We still have Free Folk and Night's Watch. Oh god, the last two. The scary two, the big. Oh, two. and Greyjoys, and Greyjoys. Okay, let's touch on Greyjoys, and then we'll touch on the big two, the big scary two, the big bads. Uh, Greyjoys. Overall, again, I'm not going to gaslight. Greyjoy players are upset, and and they can be. That's it's perfectly fine. Um, Asha. It's pretty reasonable to assume Asha caught astray because of Mance. Now, did they just change? Asha as well for for the universal ability? No. Because the Rainbow Guard have Rally Point. So Rally Point was not completely removed from the game. So it seems like it was a maybe it was a, a gamble, maybe it was a guess, maybe it was you know, maybe they're smarter than people give them credit for. But I think if Asha had stayed with Rally Point and the activations again were reduced because of the change in Relentless, what would like if, as a Greyjoy player, what would incentivize you not to run like three, four bowmen in the Asha bubble and just take advantage of the lesser activation meta? Mm -hmm. And and it's fair to say, yes, right? Asha's cards changed. Or Asha's morale bubble changed. All of Asha's cards require you to pass a morale test. Now, are you running 
elite Greyjoys. I mean, you could. You could run Silence Men. You could run Drowned Men. You could run, you know, and build an army like that. Would it work? I don't know necessarily. Greyjoys don't have great morale. And then the neutral options that they do have also just, I mean, they're not screaming awesome morale, right? So that is something that I hope the developers take a look at is Asha's cards. I think the change to Rally Point is fair. I think Boisterous Charisma is a strong ability, uh, especially given what we now know about targeting. I think it's better than it was before. Um, <clears throat> but I think they've got to give consideration to to changing her card suite. Because I think that's that's the problem people have with Asha, right? So Asha Commander, you can still throw in a unit of trappers and you can still surround it with support pieces. And it's it's just, giving a unit morale five is strong. But now I think the problem is outside of Silence Men, outside of Asha's unit itself, like what's really going to get a lot of benefit from her cards? Probably not a whole lot. Hmm. You could yeah. do like Asha Iron Makers and bank on that unit to really hold the line and throw all of your resources into them. But I think that's kind of in bad spirit for the game so was asha even dominating the scene i feel like i'd run into like baylor lists more often than not right so here's here's the interesting thing and i'm 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 gonna call him out by name michael was doing really really well with asha um did that did michael single-handedly inspire that i really don't think so i think i think what they did was they looked at the way mance was being abused and they said, could Greyjoys do this with Asha? They could. Let's go ahead and zap it just to as a preventative measure. Because Greyjoys have access to Drowned Men for four points, bows for four points, which bows are a very strong four-point unit. When you bump them up to morale five, they're even better. Yeah. Um, and so I think it was just a cautionary thing. And, and was, it, was it a stray that maybe was unnecessary? I don't know. The only way you could know is to prove it for yourself is to pretend that Asha didn't lose the morale bubble and go play and see if it was exploitable. What I do know is that in the stats rankings, the Greyjoys have gone up since the patch. So okay. it just leads you to maybe conclude that if Asha had stayed, it might have shored up too much of their weakness too well, and you might have seen the bow brigade. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'm in, I'm indifferent on it. I, I I'd like to see a little bit more. I think we can all agree that you know Baratheons and Greyjoys could use a little bit of a glow up, but also I I applaud the developers for the the cautionary, you know, let's do this and let's not nerf and buff big time at the same time. Let's not do a bunch of nerfs and then do a bunch of buffs too, and that way it's like a snowball with well this unit lost its predator and it got better and now it's insane because basically what happened with Mance, right? You nerfed Relentless to not work on ranged attacks. It was a big thing holding the Mance horde in check, and now Mance just... <laughs> so, looking at like what Greyjoys would run, um, you can still do Baylor Silenced Men and Baron Black Tide NCU. Hardened, Hardened did get tweaked a little bit, but that's still a really tough unit to kill, right? They're tough to ship. If you get two pilge tokens on them, they're getting minus two wounds for failing panic tests if they fail a panic test. You have to fail a panic test to get Baron off. Only one wound for every two unblocked hits. And then you still have Hardened, and you still have two the last from Baylor. That still looks good to me. <laughs> plus plus Windermere. I think five 
of the seven basic deck Greyjoy cards, if you consider what is dead may never die as a heal card, which I do, I think five of the seven have potential for healing. The mm. Iron Price can just straight up heal them four. Uh, blessed with Stone, Blessed with Steel, in a perfect situation, can heal six. Um, rating Call is is more or less shifting, but it, it's right, still kind of a heal. It's wound management, yeah. Windermere heals. Uh, we do not sew if your opponent controls the bags. It's a pretty strong heal. And what am I missing? What else heals? Uh, what is dead? Blessed with Stone, Iron Price. We do not sew. Rating Call. Yeah, that's the five. And then uh, you've got Windermere. And now you've got Drowned Men. And I think, I think Drowned Men are a great unit. I, they, mm-hmm. they received some ire initially. It's like, why would I ever run Drowned Men when I can run bows? You know, people are able to try. And it turns out that, you know, only ever taking one wound from Panic and having all of the damage similar to a Giant is good. Mm-hmm. So they're and really you could, tough. You could run the new... Black Tide Chosen with Embolden next to your Silenced Men and get two morale four. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't think the Black Tide Chosen are... I don't think the Black Tide Chosen are bad. The The Embolden is a, a nice little touch to the army, which, actually, that's a good point. You could just run Asha, Commander, in Black Tide Chosen. Uh, she would turn into a morale four because she would have uh, Rally Point... It's Inspiring Presence. It's a five. Embolden is a plus one. So she'd be morale four, and she would bubble that morale over to the other units around her. Yep. It's not a bad shout. Not a bad shout. Um, I saw Michael run Black Tide Chosen with Dario, and it was a pretty solid offensive unit. Um, so yeah, you could do that. You could you could embolden the army. Um, the only issue that I see with Black Tide Chosen is I get bows not being able to take pillage, but the fact that you can run the Black Tide Chosen and not be able to play the Iron Price on them, which mm-hmm. is one of their better cards. It's a little sad, but you can supplement that with Drowned Mint and Windermere to keep the Black Tide Chosen kicking. They're not as ridiculously offensive as Silenced Men are, but they're not they're not bad. Martial Training's a good order. Yeah, Martial Training is a great order. And I could see the appeal to um, Dario there, because you can get those rerolls to make sure you don't get those ones. Exactly, because Dario doesn't need to play a card or use an order. His Reckless Strikes is always on, so it's a nice, nice little pairing there. Uh, Reckless Strikes as a card won't work with Martial Training, but Dario's Attachment is an exception to that. That's why I ran Dario and Sworn Brothers in 2021. That was a great unit. Um, that said, there, yeah, you've kind of you've kind of flipped me a little bit. I, I don't like that the list is kind of back to a corner a little bit if you're running Asha, but if you run Asha and Black Tide Chosen, that's not a bad unit to receive for buffs. Ironborn yeah. meta, Metal is more healing. Uh, you've got basically Boldness and Courage as a card, and you've got Warcry as a card. It's not terrible. Not awesome, but it's not terrible. And oh, well, she's got she's got Stubborn Tenacity. She's got Stubborn Tenacity, so Warcry would do a wound. It's a decent, yeah. way, to, decent, <laughs> decent, decent way to get some value out of, out of Warcry card. I don't know. Could be interesting. Maybe I'll have to try it. Um, but I think overall... I don't think anything really changes for them, right? I mean, the not every list was Asha. Like you said, Euron, Euron's still really good. Um, you might try Euron and the new Reapers. Uh, so Discord is great. Euron has Intimidating Presence. You can stack a crap ton of panic damage with Euron. Roos was always a great choice. Uh, you could run like a Roos in Reapers or Silence Men, Ramsey in the other, and create a pretty, pretty nasty panic-based list. Um, 
they've, they've got some play. I think Greyjoys, they might be in the, and to use a football term, we're, we're in a rebuilding phase. This is a rebuilding <laughs> phase. You might, you might just have to tinker around different things to see what works. Um, and I'm not trying to say that, you know, Greyjoy players are unjustified in being somewhat upset, but I think they, they've got some stuff. They've got some stuff that could work. I think people are trying it. That's why they've risen in the stats ranking. They didn't tank as as was predicted. So. Um, let's do free folk now. Free folk, we're going to end up talking about a lot. Okay. I, I, mean, I don't think free folk changed from being the scariest. Uh, God, they're so scary still. Um, this one, I can reliably predict what I think are the top meta choices for their commanders. You're going to it's Baramir and it's Magnemite. Um, is there some excitement that Magnemite is viable and played? I think there is. I think there is. I think he he's fun. He's fun. I just, God, I just hate that Baramir can get him to nine activations with, with giants. Um, but, you know, circling back to Starks, if you're playing Starks, like Great John Umber is the ultimate like slam dunk in your face to Magmighty lists. Uh, he's got lash out. You can severely punish. And, and in fact, in reality, unless they pop their start of the turn craster, if if any of the giants attack you and you lash out them for two wounds and you have berserker tactics in hand, you can just kill it. You can just deal it four auto wounds. You don't even need to roll dice. Two wounds from lash out, four auto wounds from berserker tactics. Boot it out of here. See you later. Yeah, you'll you'll Varamir didn't get touched, so he'll I expect we'll see a lot of him. Mag mm-hmm. dropping to five makes Baratheon's players a little scared. Um I think Mance will st- will still see Mance. I well, don't know Mance if the is, uh... Uh, unlike Asha, Mance Mance has debatably like the best commander card hand. And he also has counter strategy, which counter strategy is now buffed. Um, technically, because of the the change to orders, it it uh, it messes with some of the targets a little bit, mm-hmm. and so it gives it at the very least it gives um, it gives counter strategy some some different things that now target based on you know that information in the article. So Mance is still strong. I mean, he has yeah. the king, he has the king is dead. He's got four abilities, which is bonkers. right. But like, was Mance ever really? put in precarious positions where he was at risk of dying in the past. No. I mean, the way that Free Folk played in the past was, oh, throw more bodies in the way so you can't get to Mance, you know? <laughs> exactly. I think you can run a Mance list that's got Mance and Trappers. Nothing changes there. Mm-hmm. You run the... You'll uh, see less chariots, but you'll probably see Harma Thens more. Chariots are still good. Uh, I'm not, not going to lie. I played Free Folk the other day. I actually played Varamir Commander. Uh, and I bought a chariot for five points. They are still disgusting. Um, and a chariot with Harma, with uh, fainting maneuver plus her um, superior flanking order, is really nasty. Uh, there's too many. It's still very, very good. Uh, it's like doesn't add the bonus wounds, but it, it's similar to like a hear me roar. It's getting that uh, panic token or that panic test to fail. And as you mentioned, with one-point attachments that bring uh, Intimidating Presence, they've got the Champion of Bone, who brings Intimidating Presence. Oh, I think is. you can build a pretty a pretty nasty Mance list, Mance and Trappers. You run the Varamir 3 for 8 special. 
That's 12 points, four activations. Throw Magnemite in there, you're at 21. <sighs> Excuse me. And then do what you want with your seven points. Not what you throw in there. Not a free vocalist builder. But... It, it's, I think it's still scary. It's, it has to be respected. Yeah, free folk are still on top, and it's no surprise there. Um, I really like the change they made to Bear Riders. Yeah. Giving Solid. them charging, charging volley. Yeah. You could see Rattleshirt get played with Bear Riders. Uh, Rattleshirt was always kind of like the premier. Rattleshirt and the Walrus, right? Because they're frozen shores, so they'll get all of the Walrus's bonuses. Um, and the Walrus has battle endurance. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, Rattleshirt does. He he's an interesting choice for the Bear Riders because he can make them a three plus defense and three plus defense with sixteen wounds. No matter how you slice it, that is going to be hard to get through. It's going to be hard to get through. <laughs> and I don't think. I mean, Rattleshirt's not bad. I mean, what's his? Oh, it's his. It's his generic attachment that's got the nasties. I think his generic attachment has intimidating presence and fueled by slaughter, maybe. Shirt. Spread yeah. fear and intimidating presence. Spread fear and intimidating presence. That's Both right. good he's, abilities. Yep, he's a little rusy. He's rusy. Roos for two points. I would buy Roos for two points if I could buy him as an attachment. And you get a discount if you put put him in an adaptive unit, which yeah, all which the raiders are. Which circles circles back to the strength of Jon Snow's. NCU, which I, I was high on it uh, as soon as it came out. And, you know, I'm not a free vote player, but I, I was hyping up Jon Snow, and then it turns out Suavemir, who has run, who has won LGT two years in a row, apparently saw things the way that I did, because his championship winning free folk list had Jon Snow NCU. So you can throw Rattleshirt in a unit of Raiders to get him for a point, then you just take Jon Snow NCU to guarantee that you have a regroup and reform, and you just teleport Rattle shirt over to an elite unit. Uh, steer. We might see more steer than we've seen in the past. Uh, yes. Roger ran steer uh, for 2021 Nats, mm. and he did pretty well with him. Or that was 2022. 2022. 2022, yep. That's yeah, Supremacy, still... Final Strike. Yep. Auto pass morale, which is, you know, really good given the man's bubble got popped. Um, Final Strike, then Supremacy is his order, which is really good. Um, it's I don't remember the name of the card, but it's, it's an auto pass panic card. And his other card is Style uh, Vengeance. Then Defiance and Vengeance. Yes. Yep. Vengeance is uh, just a vulnerable token every time the unit attacks, right? <laughs> yeah, vulnerable. Yep. Not a bad shout. Styre could be interesting with. Bear Rider, just given you could put them if you've got Final Strike and you're close to Styre, you could put the Bear Riders in a compromised they have, position. They have more wounds to exactly. soak have, up to throw they back. Have, they have 16 wounds, so even if you foolishly like offer your flank, it's like, come in here and do as many wounds as you want, <laughs> and my Bear Riders will survive. I'll pull them back and, you know, heal them up, do whatever you got. But it's it's a decent trade if you can throw, like, Bear Riders for a big final strike on, uh, like, a very potent unit that the, your opponent's relying on. Circling back to those John I'm just hunters. imagining, yeah, like, Bear Riders riding up, 
turning around, like, so their rear is showing to Jon Snow <laughs> ranger hunters. Jon Snow charges in, does 16 wounds. Final strike. Exactly. Yeah, I think I think Jon, he'd be capped at, like, 13. But I, I don't want to roll 13 dice needing sixes. Do you? Seems pretty scary. <laughs> yeah. No, I think uh, that's kind of a... It, it's like a, it's kind of a meme play, but if you're running bear riders for because bear riders are cool, it's not a terrible shout. Um, they're a pretty good bait for they're a pretty good bait for final strike. And if they ignore them out of fear of final strike, then they've got charging volley and a decent melee. I, I feel like they're they're a good like tar pit. Sixteen wounds is a lot. Um, Steyr, I don't know that Steyr's better than the walrus or. Rattle shirt for them, but Steyer's just not a bad commander anyway. There's still the, I mean, Roger rode taunt and stakes. <laughs> that was his play all through nationals, and it worked. It worked. He almost got me. I had to play him. Um, I miraculously got very, very lucky and passed my taunt at a minus three. With John, I was going to have to charge over stakes. Taunt into. A charge over stakes with thin supremacy, followed by a hold the line, is a lot of dead stiff. So definitely. Well, I know. Um, I know Mickey. He runs free folk, and I know he values mobility over just about anything else. Um, bear riders with the change to their ranged attack to make it charging volley. Mm-hmm. They've gained two inches of movement because they can do a shift when they do their ranged attack. And they've also got your grit to make them a flat move five. And they mm-hmm. would ignore bogs and things like that. So that would and be a three-inch shift when they shoot. No, it'd be it'd still be a two-inch shift. Still just two. But their base movement value goes up to a five instead of a four. Yeah. And then additionally, you um, have diversion tactics, which is basic deck, which is half of Sentinel essentially. Except it doesn't trigger off of ranged. I think Sentinel does trigger off of ranged. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. not. It's not bad. I don't. I don't think bad. that can be overlooked. You're, you're gaining two inches. I mean, that's no small. Thing. No, it's it's not a small thing. It's not a small thing. You're eight inches away. Would be a four, but now with the charging volley, you only need a two. And if you have you grit on them, they're auto in. Mm-hmm. Not not bad. Um, cool. So, uh, Mag the Mighty, the commander. I think. I think. The the Veramir package is mostly like mandatory because they're all monsters, right? So they all contribute to his cards. Um, the hilarious thing is is hold on. Hurl Boulder is only for giants, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, but monsters in the north. But monsters is, in the north can be coupled with Veramir's little pets. Yes, because monsters in the north is basically it's not a proactive version. Of there's too many, but it's it's essentially there's too many. Minus yeah, Brathian players, if you play, a, if you find yourself against Mag the Mighty and you have Patch Face, go for Monsters in the North. That's the card you want to get rid of. Yeah, Monsters in the North is bad, 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 bad. It's hard. It's it's tough. Minus three Panic Test probably with plus three wounds at the start of your activation. Um. Yeah, and you would have to like I don't know that there's any start of activation heals that you could do. Like no, well, poor fellows, I guess, would have to expend a faith token. But then that would then monsters in the north would would resolve after. So you're down potentially six wounds. You do whatever you're going to do, and then the free folk can respond with you being hurt. Not not great. Um, 
I think the big thing to watch out for in the mag list is mag himself. Um, of course, mag ever dangerous. Um, you've got to be really careful with what you what you do with him when you kill him, things like that. Uh, and you've really got to be aware of last of their kind. So there's there's some pretty interesting things that he can do with his on death swing play last of their kind. A giant comes and charges you. And if they've got overrun in hand, the game can just instantly be out of control because you killed Mag. So mm-hmm. you've got to be you've got to be careful with how you play around Mag. Ideally, the lists that can get rid of giants besides Great John Umber, uh, lash out strong commander card. So that's Baylor Blacktide, Adam Marbrand, Donald Noy, and Great John Umber. Or is there any other lash out? I don't think so. Uh, Grey Worm. Grey Worm. Thank you. Poor Grey Worm. So there's five instances of Lash Out. It's it's a good card dealing with Giants. Um, but other than that, Precision is a strong keyword anyway, because it always bypasses like Harden and Shield Wall. If you've got the ability to scout orders, and you've got a ranged attack, that's that's a perfect way to deal with Mag. Um, particularly like Dothraki Vets, who can shoot him twice. Uh, Cranach Cranogmen in a Howland list can can do some damage with scout orders, um, and obviously the Martell's skirmishers can scout orders and do something to Mag. You just got to be careful because if Mag is engaged with one of your units and then you kill him with a ranged, he still gets his attack. So mm-hmm. it's the same um, problem you see with um, Relentless. <laughs> so, it's scurry, scurry, scurry. Uh, it's interesting and cool. But also, it's going to be it's it's tough to deal with. There's there's some factions that might just really struggle. They might have to kind of tech something special. There's always Jock and Hagar in CU. Yes, if you want to go that route for precision on a stick, but doesn't work on doesn't work on cavalry. So uh, actually, Ramsey Ramsey, I I played in the previous version. I played neutrals into a mag list before a mag got buffed. Um, our blades are sharp on flayed men is a very good way of getting rid of giants um, because they've got the intimidating presence. The giant fails a panic. It's an auto two wounds. Our blades are sharp gives you the um, rerolls and precision. Uh, you might not do it on flayed men anymore. It might be better to send cutthroats in with flayed men engaged to get rid of them um, or something like that. But our blades are sharp is not, is, is a strong card at, at dealing with that. Yeah, Anything. precision precision's a useful tool when you're yep. going up against giants and that to only two unblocked hits results in a wound. Yep. Preferably, preferably you're gonna shoot the crap out of them. But I think the strategy to particularly mag with Varamir's pets is if you can, might not exactly be easy, but if you can get rid of some of the softer activations in the list, like uh Varamir's pets, Varamir himself. If you can get rid of them, reduce the unit, the list's activation count, then you've really just got to go all in when you're trying to kill a monster, uh, giant or mag. Either way, you giants are scary because if you go half in and it stays alive with like one wound, it's going to dunk on you really badly. Uh, mag doesn't get better as he dies. Um, one one even with auto wounds, I ran into. I played 50-point list in Indy, and I ran into a mag at 50, and he had 1-1 one, one in mag. And even with Great John Umber's cards, and I had Sansa to recycle them, 
I had I even had Brain and Hodor, and it was so hard to deal with one one. Um, I think a decent strategy against the mag list. You got you you hope that you draw a mission like Dance with Dragons, um, because they don't count their wounds as ranks in that mission. I, I think that's the same for Feast Feast with Crows, Feast for Crows. You might just want to you know tank the giants as much as you can and, and hold on to the objectives. They're they're not great at playing either of those missions. Because if they pick up a token, you attack them with even two ranks, cavalry or infantry, you automatically take the token from them. So that's a decent way to play around it. I guess it's an inherent weakness to that list. But yeah, I mean, other than that, you've just got to be really careful with your engagements. They are still giants um, outside of Lady Vol and Ygritte. They they don't have a ton of speed. Um, you just got to be careful about getting stuck in and then getting you know, countercharged by them. Um, you might just have to dance around him a little bit. Play around do you want to no. do you want to jump into the the cold, clad in black, yeah. Night's Watch brothers? Yeah, we talked about free folk a lot longer than I had anticipated, but yeah, let's talk about Night Watches. Night Watches, then the boys in green for me. Uh Night's Watch. They lost Relentless. Uh, well, I keep they lost Relentless, they lost. and then they gained Relentless. Yeah, I keep saying they lost Relentless, but they, I mean, Relentless didn't disappear from the game. It's just completely different. Yeah. They lost the free activation from Relentless. Mm-hmm. They lost the bonus activation, the three-point pseudo-activation. So their their overall activation count has been reduced. But in exchange for that, they got Donald Noy, NCU, changed to four points. Corin Halfhand changed to five points. And Vanguard receiving not only the universal buff to outflank, but being buffed up to four plus armor. Um, not unsubstantial. Um, Vanguard have quickly become like my favorite-ish Night's Watch unit. They haven't surpassed trackers and hunters, but I can run a proper ranger theme and feel really good about taking Vanguard. They are super strong. They're fast. Um, four plus defense, five plus morale is elite defense. And with Donald Noy potentially making them a 3+, they're really hard to shift. Um, they're also a 7-5 melee profile, which is very, very strong. Um, and they've got the new outflank paired with ambush. It's, it's a really nice package for 7 points that these guys bring. Um, Corrin, obviously, is going to be the biggest conversation of this. Uh, you can debate. Some people think Donald Noy is the bigger change because it allows... Night's Watch to survive that heavy calf strike, which was mm-hmm. a big problem for them before. Um, but it you can't... Can. Plus one to defense dice, and they cannot expend more. Yeah. It gives you some durability that kind of was the Achilles heel to Night's Watch in the past, right? Yep, exactly. Because now you can pair like even a unit such as Ranger Hunters, you can stick them behind a forest or stick them behind a low wall. And you can get a plus two to defense on that roll. So that pushes mm-hmm. Rangers to a three plus. It's pretty darn good. Between Donnell, Shields that guard the realms of men, and fires that burn against the cold. Yep. It's going to be guys... difficult to alpha strike and one shot a Night's Watch unit. Yep. Uh, yep. In particular, Flayed Men that, that used to kind of be able to do it with some support cards. It's going to be really tough for them to do it now. I won't say impossible. Nearly impossible. Not impossible. But. Um, it's tough, uh, but the, obviously, you know, we're not even going to pretend like it's not a thing. Corn uh, is 
utterly insane. It's all the rage um, right now. Corin, I took I took Corin at six. I took him at six. Uh, I ran him and made it to. I mean, I guess it wasn't like an, an elimination, but I had to get past a Baratheon player, and then my field was, I think Lannisters mostly, and I had, uh, I think I had a pretty good answer to those, and I had Corin. And and I ran him competitively for that uh, event. I at six points, and I, I really liked him. Um, he's so good. And then at five, he's even gooder. Um, his attachment, his NCU influence on its own is utterly insane. Plus one speed, plus one to all attack dice. So that's ranged and melee. Turns John Hunters into an absolute monster. And then, of course, the sacrifice ability. So, I think the biggest point of contention with Corrin, and I will agree as a Night's Watch player, is that Corrin can trigger Watches Ended when he sacrifices. Yeah. And it's, it's such a big swing because you, in that process, if you can't cancel his ability with like Roos or Selmy, you're in trouble um, because you lose an activation that unit is basically a sitting duck at that point. And additionally, if they've got both watches ended out, they're going to fire off two attacks, uh, unresponded. If the Night's Watch player is going first, they can then do a third straight attack or something, whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Corrin triggering watches ended, it's it's incredibly powerful. Now, you can get in a situation where the big hitters die, you don't draw watches ended, and the sacrifice doesn't snowball. But when the snowball happens, that's that's the big problem, of course. That's the big problem. Is that it's such a huge, like in one one play, before any activations, like start of the turn, it's such a huge thing. Because hypothetically speaking, right, with double ranger hunters, if they're both engaged and you kill corn, you can trigger four attacks immediately. Two melees, two ranged. Then you're going. Uh, you could, for the watch, for a charge, you could take the swords for another attack. There's, like, so essentially, you could get five straight attacks at the start of the turn. It's wow. crazy. So, you know, my criticism would be, um, you know, I think... If you're going to keep Corrin with a sacrifice, which it's a very cool fluff ability, I think reasonably a couple of things that could be done. And again, the jury's still out, right? Because Night's Watch, I'm not going to sit and say that I don't think Night's Watch is good. I think they're great. I think they're amazing still. I loved them before. Um, with maybe a little bit more time to see what happens. But assuming that, that the choice is made, like, okay, Corrin, this is too much. You could do a couple of things. You could force watches ended to trigger only on a combat unit, which I don't know if that's an intentional design for the fluff aspect. Could be. Maybe it's not. Maybe it is. Who knows? But you can make it combat unit only. Now Corrin doesn't trigger watches ended. Um, the other solution could be to somehow change the wording on watches ended to where when a unit dies, you can only resolve one of them. That, that would be a help. Um, it's still a pretty big snowball. Still a pretty big play. But it would it would blunt it a little bit because not triggering both of them is, is pretty substantial. Mm-hmm. I think another thing and that you have to think about there is also cold hands is also another option to trigger it. Correct. Yes, yes. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing that card go to friendly cavalry or infantry in it. 
it's similar to the Northern members. Yeah. And I think it was pretty obvious that the Northern members got that change because of the... Because of suiciding dire wolves over stakes. The 1.7 dire wolf sacrifice. Yeah. yeah. And then they, they clearly... You know, it looks like... It looks intentional. Starks doesn't trigger off of wolves. Night's Watch, they allowed it to trigger off of Ghost. So... Ghost is better than Shaggy, Summer, and Grey Wind. Yes. Oh, hot take. Bestest, bestest boy. Bestest boy. Goodest boy. Um. Yeah. No, I mean, it, back for, to Corin. I mean, at six points, he could swing a game like much like Tywin and see it, right? Correct. And that's when he was six. Now he's five. Yep. Um, and sacrifice aside, his influence is just amazing. It's it is. You don't even have to kill him. Just keep him for the. Plus one speed, plus one attack dice. Throw him on a unit that has Watch Captain for another plus one for boldness and courage. Throw on swords for another plus one. It's a lot. It's all. It's all still there. It's a lot of dice. Um, it is, and and he's incredibly good on Vanguard as well. Um, yeah. The obvious place to put him is on John, and just may they, may they, may they. But in in terms of like the um, Lannisters with the like the the double crossbow Kevin. If you throw him on your Vanguard, they're now speed seven, so they're auto in from fifteen inches. Coincidentally, that's just enough to sit outside of crossbow range and be able to charge them automatically. <laughs> um, I like it. I like Corn on my Vanguard. Actually, uh, he takes them up to eight six, gives them yep. that speed seven, and even in cases where you need to retreat your Vanguard from infantry and. You know, it's like, oh, I'm going to retreat. I don't want to get countercharged. Like, if your speed is seven. Yeah. You probably you've got a, safety. Yeah, you've got a really good chance that you're going to not be countercharged. And then you if, can, you're, if you're really feeling spicy, you could put Cold Hands attachment in those Vanguard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give them Intimidating Presence and Sentinel. I have seen it. It is definitely a thing. It is definitely a thing. It's a, it's a good pick. Uh, you see it a lot. Uh, or I have. Uh, the reason you don't it. see it more is because Cold Hands on his own is so great. But mm-hmm. yeah, but there's, I mean, there's merit. Um, there's merit to to doing that over Cold Hands. I mean, Cold Hands, mm-hmm. Cold Hands solo brings a lot to the table. But I mean, so does every version of Benjen and Cold Hands. I mean, you're not even hearing people talk about how Cold Hands. Uh, I think it's Enigmatic Guide has outflank. You can outflank ranger hunters. You can outflank bastards girls. You can outflank there's there because he's not limited to night's watching. Uh-huh. So, so you can outflank, outflank whatever. Outflank man. <laughs> oh well. Oh, no, uh, is he an infantry attachment? He's an infantry. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, yeah, you can outflank some some pretty nasties. I mean, ranger hunters is the obvious choice uh, because they can do stuff off of the horse and shoot you and charge you and things like that. But um. Yeah, he's really good. And then outflank not Sworn Bros. You could outflank Sworn Bros. <laughs> those those champions of the stag that had two of armor, you hit them in the rear with Sundering, oh, they're blocking on sixes. Yep. And so what else is there? Um, they've got... Sh- oh, it was crossbows! I was talking to Bob about it, and I was like, is this something that people should consider? Like, I'm not sure that this is a meme, necessarily. Nightwatch crossbows? Yeah, to outflank crossbows in like round two or three, because uh-huh. they're long range. I outflank yeah. behind you, and now you have builder crossbows behind you. That's not a good situation to be in. 
<laughs> it's not a good it situation. Could be, it could be a quite an investment to hold off the table for that long, but it could be. But um, you know, you're, you're, you could. You if they could, turn around to face you, you still have ready aim fire. You have ready aim release. Yep. And I mean, if you wait, there's. I think in particular with 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 Targaryens, you know, backtracking a little bit the conversation, the Harakars are five points. Mm-hmm. So, I think Harakars would be best used to outflank in like round three or four. When the engagements are already there, like, oh, hey, you know, maybe, maybe they didn't forget about you. A lot of players are good and aware, but, you know, some people might forget. Like, oh, right. Once things start I getting engaged, they might not got, have a choice. Exactly. Once things get engaged, there's the lions. But so you're talking eight points for Night's Watch. So, I mean, you could, you could run like a five three with the outflanking crossbows and still have four combat units to kind of, keep things real for a second, pose some threats, draw you in, and then outflank the crossbows. I mean, maybe it's a meme, but it's an option. The other thing is Benjen in all forms is good, too. Uh, the Wolf mm-hmm. of the Wall has Sentinel, and I think it's got something else, like maybe Pathfinder. Not 100% sure. Bob's a Benjen guy, more so than I am. Well, the meme there was always Benjen and um, Spears, right? Benjen, what Sentinel and Spears? Are the um the is it the commander the mount the the foot commander Benjen? Um, because he could let me pull this up. You could do Benjen first ranger in Shadow Tower Spearman, and he has is this his tactics deck? He has hit and run in his tactics deck. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. So you yeah. could do the set for charge yes. with hit and run and cancel your opponent's charge. Right. Which which can still be done with um, with Dervishes and Brendan Tully, who's got set for charge as a card. Mm-hmm. Uh, technically, you could do it with uh, Dervishes and Adam Martell. Anybody who has set for charge as a card could do it with Dervishes. Because uh, I don't think Free Folk have set for charge. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of funny. Like on the Shadow Tower Spearman, it's a little bit funny. I've, I've heard. I was talking Benjen's Benjen's foot attachment. I'm gonna pull up my phone here because I, there's there's multiple versions of Benjen that came in that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but she can only run one. <laughs> so you got the attachment. Uh, Benjen is a great commander. Now that Vanguard are great. Um, the first Rangers decent. Uh, I've seen him run in Bastards Girls. It's not super meany. It's pretty strong. Um, and then in terms of the attachments that you buy, the Wolf of the Wall has Sentinel and Ambush. That's not bad at all. Um, Cold Hands Enigmatic Guide has Outflank and Pathfinder. Mm. For a point, Pathfinder is pretty solid. And then you mentioned Sentinel and, and IP from the Cowboy attachments. Yeah. Lots of lots of Bingen floating around. And then you got Cold Hands Solo, of course. So he got, what, a Commander version? A Foot version. Both foot versions, a solo, a cavalry attachment. Right, so there's five versions of Benjen. No, there's six. Foot cold hands, cold hands solo, horse cold hands attachment, horse Benjen, foot Benjen commander, foot Benjen. Yeah. All the Benjen. There's all the Benjen, <laughs> and they, they all have a, they all have a place. Which I, I think is is kind of like the the exciting. I know that some people feel like this patch 
wasn't exciting because there wasn't a lot of buffs. But um, I think some of the exciting bit is that, you know, for armies that that brought that auto include stuff is that it does open up some things that you maybe you considered before, but it was like, well, you know, why would I run Sworn Sword Captain when I can run a Mormont vet? Right. I, I mean, um, why would I run, you know, Hardened Ranger now that Watch exactly. Captain is not necessarily yeah. staple? Hardened Ranger is an amazing attachment for one point. Furious Hardened Charge Ra- and Elusive Escape. Yep. Every time you're a Ranger Hunter's attack, they retreat. You elusive escape, you weaken your opponent, you get to their flank, they don't get to pivot. Yep. It's it's a double token, which is a big deal for Night's Watch because they don't they don't generate a ton of tokens mm-hmm. outside of Vulcan. Unless you're doing Denny's Malister, which I don't think is very common. No, because it, the the being engaged requirement makes him kind of tough to to get use out of him. I'm not saying he's terrible, but um I think for, for Night's Watch who really have no business being sad right now, but they could look at like Elaria and be sad about Malister. But no business being sad. I said it. Um, no, it's it's just interesting. It's just interesting, yeah. Because the the Harden Ranger hit the ground running when one point when when season one. So, no, it was just twenty twenty one. I'm sorry. When twenty twenty one dropped, the uh, you saw a lot of John and Ranger hunters, and then Ranger hunters with Harden Ranger, and then you filled out the list with like conscripts and other stuff. And the the Harden Ranger was was popular, and then he kind of fell out of relevance because of the Watch Captain. So I, I do expect him to circle back into people's lists uh, for the simple fact that yeah, it's double tokens, and if you're playing John and you have for the Watch, you potentially get the opportunity to charge for free off of the horse and then retreat out. They can't see you, uh, whether they turn around and face you with their activation or they ignore you and leave you in their flank, then you can just activate and charge, which is another vulnerable token. So he's, he's pretty strong. I, I, I quite like the attachment. I, I painted him up and I was running him initially. I replaced the hunters with hardened ranger for Dario sworn brothers. Actually, I had the hunters, I had the hardened ranger painted up and that was hardcore going to be what I ran. But I think I went with precision because at the time, you know, it was really a, a hardened meta. And so I wanted a good solution to harden, particularly warrior sons with champion of faith at the time were really, really good. So mm-hmm. It is a good. Um, do you see Night's watch leaning more into seven activations and kind of like the way Baratheons were? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think they can. I think there's validity to it, uh, particularly if you're running Cotter Pike. Um, Cotter does pretty well at seven because it's got fueled by slaughter. Um, you could do the Mimi, but not so Mimi. Um, Ramsey attachment, Sworn Brothers, Cotter attachment, Sworn Brothers, giving you double fueled by slaughter. Cotter's got um, Pike aggression and he's got um, assault orders. So you've got tons of free attacks, which is always restoring that uh, unit. Um, Ramsey in particular with Cotter, I think is really nasty. So you get, you commit 16 points to those two units and then you can run like, uh, conscripts, it's 21 points. And then you go like the Vanguard or something like that gets you to 28. And then you run, you know, whether you want to two NCO and a Marshall or whatever you want to do. The Marshall's not a bad option for Cotter, to be honest. No. Yeah. He's not because Cotter's got uh, reckless heroism. So if you run the marshal with that three-inch shift, you're increasing his charge range by three, essentially. So he's safe to charge from 11 inches without Watcher or Corrin. If you go the route of that, it'd be 11 inches extends to 13, goes to 16 with the marshal, but it's 14 without, with, without those two factors. It's pretty decent charge range. And I think with Cotter, the, 
it's bad to get alpha charged by him and let him start that that freaking fueled by slaughter train and and paired with conscripts it's really hard to shift cotter so i think i think you will see cotter as as a bruiser list mm-hmm. i think you'll i think you'll see cotter paired yeah i think with, i think um, watch captain sword sworn bros still could see play um but like the quintessential list i think people are looking at right now is john snow ranger hunters ranger trackers ranger vanguards Ghost, Cold Hands, Amon, Bowen, Corrin, NCUs, maybe switching Donald for one of them. It's, it's exactly. I mean, it's exactly that's what you want to be on the lookout for. Yeah, it's what I run, and and I'm I'm not going to sit here and puff out my chest and say that I invented the list. Um, I think I ran it day one of the patch, but it's I I don't think a list like that you can with nothing overly unique in it. You can't really stake a claim and say, hey, I made this up. And everybody mm. copied me. I don't think that's the case. Um, I think that's a list that's you, it's just common. You're going to see it. It's just the math is there. Seven seven six four three four four five. Yep. And secretly, I tricked the developers into making those points because now I can just reference that math, and I'm subtly giving people my phone number. <laughs> I'm on. I'm, a, I'm on here trying to play my game on people. On a whole nother level, you're playing. <laughs> 4D, 4D chess. <laughs> oh yeah, that's how I do. No, I think I think uh, I think realistically that that John list archetype, whether they go with, and there's there's variables that you can do there. You don't even necessarily have to stick to that. That yeah, when we already I, said you could you could take out Bowen and put Donald in if you want. You could. Yep. You and 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 I don't think I, I think Corrin's really good, but I don't think I don't think the Amon Bowen. Amon, Bowen, Donald Noy is not a bad shout. Uh, you've got Sam, who's recently buffed because of Gilly. Cards mm-hmm. are super important. Yep. There's there's validity to running Sam's NCU and using Gilly as that secret ninth or eighth activation when you want it now to set up your big tempo play. There's still Othel NCU, who's not terrible. Um, there is... I mean, Peter Baelish is, has always been good. Um, How do you... How do you feel about um, Sam attachment? Talk to talk to Bob about it. Uh, we I know I know Bob's talked about. I mean, because I made Justin Massey work with the Baratheons. I know you did, and we both we both uh, gave you your due credit for that big balls. But, um, but fucking Sam does the same thing. I know we talked about it because... and bookkeeping. Oh, you get to yep. hold four. Yep, it's huge. Uh, it's it's big. It's big. Um, we I talked about it because, that. <laughs> because well, strictly. Strictly speaking, if you're if you believe that the Jon Snow Vanguard list is an all comer, which I believe it is, mm-hmm. uh, the list that you just mentioned there, then you start thinking about, well, what am I going to tech into? What's what's my biggest fear? And if your biggest fear is the mirror, because the kind of crappy situation with Night's Watch Nights versus Night's Watch, both with Corrin, is that game might not necessarily be decided by player skill. That game could very easily be decided by which player lucked out into double watches ended and the other one didn't. Yeah. Because if if you Corrin and and proc double watches ended, I mean I can Corrin in a counter and shut down your your scary unit. But if I don't get double watches ended out of that, then I mm-hmm. feel like I'm behind the eight ball. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so there's there's validity to so run. So for the mirror match maybe run Samuel Tarly attachment. 
Yeah. And then the question becomes, where do you stick him? So in something like that John list, you can drop out the trackers from Mercs with Sam, which is kind of meme but it's there. And I mean, that's what I did. <laughs> so the other thing that I was considering, honestly, like in, in terms of the mirror, is I, when Cotter first came out, I looked at Cotter and I was like, this is Cotter is nice watch Gregor. If you get the cards, you're going to steamroll and there's mm-hmm. nothing they can do about it. So I like ran this mini Cotter list that was Bowen Marsh, Sam, and Amon as my NCUs. And then, so I start with four cards. I've got Bowen Marsh. And like, I just, I played Zooster. It's the only time I played the Cotter list. And I freaking just Bowen Marsh the letters cycle through my deck. And yeah. then, and then once I got the cards that I wanted in hand, I can hold six. So I had like double assault orders one pike aggression, reckless strikes, all of this stuff. Yeah. I just, I, (laughs) and then, yeah. And then at that point I I had the cards I wanted. I built my own hand because of Sam and Bowen. And I just assault orders, cotter pike, right to your champions and stack, uh, play sword in the darkness. Boom. Hit you, uh, play pike aggression, use the sworn brothers order. You're vulnerable. Uh, oh, you didn't die. Well, I still haven't activated, so now I'm going to go ahead and activate. And because of fueled by slaughter, I'm going to take the risk and play reckless strikes. And now your champions stacked up, and you're sad. Like that was that was it was at that point where Cyrus was complaining about champions stack, and it was like fresh off of that game with Zooster. And I was like, oh, show me on the doll where Baratheons hurt you. <laughs> I was like, I just played a game and I blew them off the table like with that many attacks, and then I kind of went away from Cotter and. And I got sad about champions and stag. The rest is history, but that's nonetheless. There's, I mean, Cotter is. Cotter's Cotter, always had that risk though with Pike aggression, right? Because that could hurt you more than it hurts your opponent. Yeah, and it's mitigated by fueled by slaughter. But mm-hmm. in in her, in terms of mirror tech, it, it's actually not even a terrible idea to run like a Cotter into the mirror. Like yeah. Cotter's not bad into the into the mirror. Like, I mean, it's not bad to hurt your own unit if you eliminate the other unit. Well, if, if just thing, if you throw Cotter. Like, if you Corrin Jon Snow to where you can't move, you throw Cotter into Jon Snow Hunters, and you throw the kitchen sink at it. Like, yep. you've got eight dice, you throw Pike Aggression in there, you've got Assault Orders, Jon can't do crap to run away from you. Like, Cotter Sworn Brothers, in the right situation, will blow apart John John Hunters. They'll blow apart Vanguard, they'll blow apart any Night's Watch unit. So, mm-hmm. Cotter is pretty scary into the mirror, and he's got that six-inch threat range for his charge. I, I think you do do the Sam Sam Gilly, and that's a that's a cheap way of getting Night's Watch two eight activations with Cotter. Just in that really important round, you have eight to set Cotter up, and then he just goes ham. Yeah, it's really it's important nice. to think about. I think a lot of people overlook the mirror. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, this faction's on top. Okay, it's like, well, what I about mean, your own faction? Think about you know. <laughs> and well, I, really? I, I, I I talked about this about you the other day. It's like, all right, Brathians what do Baratheons do in a mirror? They don't really have a bunch of anti-armor options. It's like, all right, so you got to start thinking. Yeah, and then you run Stannis with attack approach and melt. And that's how you get through. Right? Oh, yeah, for me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, it's 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 interesting. It could be a thing, uh, you know, and I'm dwelling on Night's Watch because I play them and I'm selfishly giving them a ton of airtime. But, um, but to be honest, in the in the mirror, I don't even know that you need a sacrifice core, right? Because if, right. if you've got Sword in the Darkness plus Corn, that's nine. Pike aggression makes you lower your roll ta- lo- lo- roll your lowest attack dice, but you still get the plus two. So you're throwing fifteen dice at John. But vulnerable. If they don't have on not- fives, right? 
He's blocking on fives, goes to sixes because they're sworn brothers. If he doesn't have Donald Noy, he's probably dead. Yeah. A lot of things are dead, for that matter. Hmm. Cotter Pike meta? Is it Cotter time? It's Cotter time. Cotter could shoot through some free fall, too. He can shoot through just about anything. <laughs> he can. He can. He can indeed. Interesting. Huh. How fast can I paint Cotter Pike? Maybe I go Cotter Pike. All Something right. to think about. We only have a week or two left. A week. We're Adepticon. We're, we're yeah. a week. <laughs> it's coming up. All right. Well, we better close this out before we keep talking about how to tech for Night's Watch. We don't want to give away all the Night's Watch secrets. Exactly. I don't want to give my opponents tips. Um, cool. So, yeah, again, thank you very much for um, joining. It is much appreciated. And, uh, yeah, we will. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, we will. We'll talk with you soon, and I hope to see everyone at Adepticon. See you at Adepticon.